Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. You are what you think you are. Some of our greatest thinkers have, have lived a very simple but stimulating life. You know, Einstein just needed a pen, a piece of paper, and his brain. That's what he needed. And he lived, I think, through the age into his mid-80s, 84, I think he died. But he would have lived so switched on. Some years ago, I have to reread a novel of mine called The Death of the Body. I thought, this is cleverer than I am. In other words, I thought I couldn't do that now. For people in those very early stages of cognitive changes, there is a strong emotional element that goes with it. I was talking to a couple of friends one day and we were chattering away then all of a sudden, boom. And I said, oh, you'll have to excuse me, I've been given the gift of, of Alzheimer's. You know? What the challenge in life is to find out what are the things that really turn you on. Do them. I'm Noelle McCarthy. This is A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. The Maoris used to say to me, uh, you've got an awful voice, Daphne, but we love you all the same. <laughs> a podcast series about ageing in a world that wants us to stay young. So this is a normal human brain. It's beautiful. Is this a real brain? This is a real brain which has been what we call plastinated. So it's been infiltrated with the resin and then hardened. How do our brains change as we get older? I'm sitting with one of the world's leading experts on the human brain, a neuroscientist from Taranaki, Richard Fall. This would have been a person who was an elderly person, probably in their 60s. There's a little bit of atrophy I can see around here in the front areas. See those? There's a little bit of shrinkage there. Yes, I can you can see. sort of see between between the folds, what we call the gyri. Whereas this looks pretty good to me. The motor cortex, sensory cortex area is fine. The visual area at the back looks good. The cerebellum, which coordinates movement, is fantastic. Professor Fall is the director of the Auckland Centre for Brain Research, a multidisciplinary institute devoted to the brain and to the diseases that affect it. The Medical Sciences Learning Centre, where we're sitting, is in Aladdin's cave of anatomical models and specimens, including several beautiful brains, like the one the professor is showing me. In each one of us, we have about 100 billion neurons. So you see, that's the complexity of the human brain and of the human mind. When the people talk about the human mind, where is your personality? Where is your, where is your actual mind? Where is your consciousness? When you have an innovative thought, when you suddenly um, you know, look at someone who you're in love with, you have, you have a great feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're actually feeling, you're not in love, you don't fall in love with your heart, you actually fall in love with their brain, right? Because yeah. this is the, the brain is actually the organ of love, believe it or not. The organ of love, the organ of joy and fear and loneliness 
of all emotions, the place where our personalities live and our memories. No wonder the greatest fear many of us have is losing our minds. Our brain is the centre of consciousness, of all of our sensory experiences. It makes sense of every single thing we see, hear, smell, feel and touch. It's our brains rather than our bodies that have carried us to the top of the food chain, allowing us to dominate all of the other animals with bigger teeth but smaller brains than us. Our brains start developing in the third week after conception and they continue growing throughout adolescence. They're fully formed by early adulthood and it's all downhill from there, pretty much. That's a slight exaggeration. But we do know that the brain gets smaller as we get older. It shrinks by an estimated 5% per decade after the age of 40. Old age brings with it the dimming of mental faculties as brain cells die off. And we don't make more of them once the brain has fully matured. At least that's what we thought. When I was a medical student and I used to teach up until early 2000, the fact that once you were born and grew up and mature in your mid-twenties, you had all the brain cells forever. And then from there on in, it was a question of them slowly And slowly from there on, them. the dogma said that you gradually lost brain cells throughout yeah. life and that dementia was a natural consequence of growing older. It was Professor Fall who proved that we keep making brain cells even after the brain is fully formed. Up until he and his team made their discoveries while researching Huntington's disease in 2007, the received wisdom was that we could only lose brain cells as we got older. Now we know that we can keep making new ones, even if we don't yet know how fast. Suddenly what we knew was happening in animals, we can now say is happening in humans, and that was never, ever believed. I never used to teach that. I was taught that the brain could never, once you'd fully mature, you had all the brain cells for the rest of your life. Based on animal studies, probably the older you get, the less ability you do to have, to be actually, to be able to make new brain cells. And the question is, what we don't know is how significant that is. Mm. What we do know, though, from, is that the more you keep people stimulated, excited, doing the things they like, living with the people they love... Enjoying life. And enjoying life, and, but having intellectual excitement and stimulation is good for the brain. I'm not conscious of anything I have tried to learn and not been successful at, but that's possibly... I haven't uh, tried anything that's very very new and very hard. I've tended to go on doing the same things. As well as being one of our best-known critics and most successful novelists, C.K. Stead is New Zealand's current Poet Laureate. I certainly feel old now, yes. I feel I'm very conscious of being old. In a way, I, I wasn't uh, so keenly aware of uh, 10 years ago. When I reached 70... I was really surprised and pleased because my parents, my mother died at 69, my father at 66. So I really had the idea of three score years and ten as being the biblical allotment. And when I reached it and still felt pretty fit and healthy, um, I, was, I was quite surprised and pleased. Uh, I'm now 83 and... Um, <laughs> surprised at that as well 
But uh, now I'm starting to think about uh, how one exits. You know, there has to be an exit and it can't be too far away. So that my perspective of it on it now is less to do with the pleasure of being 70 than the slight bewilderment of being 83. Carlstead's prolific writing career is continuing unimpeded into older age. I haven't yet been aware of any serious decline. I still seem able to to write, to write both fiction and, and uh, non-fiction. I hope uh, if there is a decline, I'll either, it'll be clear to me or it'll be clear to someone else who will tell me. But so far, I can't really detect it. The passing of time has brought some change, though. I did some years ago have to reread a novel of mine called The Death of the Body. Uh, I thought, this is cleverer than I am. In other words, I thought I couldn't do that now because it has an element of ingenuity, which I suspect I don't have any more. And sometimes uh, now when I read a novel or start to read a novel by Henry James, which when I was young I would have relished and read you know, easily and with pleasure, I'm now conscious of the difficulty of his sentences. Um, so I, I think that there's a certain loss of intellectual edge but there may be a compensating astuteness. I don't know. Let's hope so. Well, neuroscience would tend to bear that out. Stimulation of the kind the intellectual challenge of a writer's life provides in spades is the key to keeping the brain functioning at a high level for as long as possible. You are what you think you are. You live the life you want to live. Some of our greatest thinkers and some of the people who have contributed greatest have been have lived a very simple but stimulating life. You know, Einstein just needed a pen, a piece of paper, and his brain. That's what he needed, all right? And he worked out the theory of relativity, E equals MC squared, and all the implications of that. And he lived, I think, through the age into his mid-80s, 84, I think he died. But he would have lived so switched on. That's not to say we can all be Albert Einstein and C.K. Stead. Both are examples of an outstandingly well-developed life of the mind. They're intellectual careers born of long habit and constant practice, cemented in early age and nurtured throughout their lives. Einstein was only in his 20s when he developed the theory of relativity, and C.K. Stead's first collection of poems came out in 1964. But the good news for those of us who are not poet laureates or indeed Nobel laureates is that mental stimulation need not be too intellectually challenging in order to keep the brain in tip-top shape. Gardening is incredibly relaxing. It's actually very good for um, its occupational therapy. You actually get rewards for gardening. You know, the plants grow, mm -hmm. vegetables grow. You can configure it. You've got you met, you can you can create your own particular garden. Now, that that's creativity. In the same way that an artist is creative, a gardener is creative because you're building what you want to do. You see, but people who write are great. People who so it comes in it comes in all different forms according to your own. Everyone has different patterns of skills in life which make them happy.
And what the challenge in life is to find out what are the things that really turn you on and do them. And uh, so, and if you do that, then it's going to give you a, a life full of satisfaction and full of love and, and, and full of enjoyment. Fairy tales can come true It can happen to you If you're young at heart You know, I read somewhere that singing is a tonic. So uh, I decided I'd sing every morning. And so... Do you? Yes, I sing. I sing and no one can hear me, I hope. What do you sing? Well, some of the hymns. Like what? Maori hymns. You know, Naiti Hari. ได้เท่าหรือเท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือเท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือเท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือได้เท่าหรือได้เท่า
concern and and um, and sadness that she she knows that she wants to tell us things. I mean, she can't remember what it is, and she does say to me sometimes, "Am I losing my mind?" and um, yeah, am I going silly? I feel as though I'm going silly. And I and I just keep reassuring her that she's just having more of a struggle than she used to have. There are over 500 centenarians in New Zealand, according to the last census. As more and more people live on into their hundreds, our present era of extended longevity is presenting us with the challenge of learning how to relate to our loved ones as they change. For people in those very early stages of um, cognitive changes, there is a strong emotional element that goes with it in terms of that awareness that um, um, my, my thought patterns are changing and, um, and, and, and all that that means for them. And, and I think that um, sort of emotional depressive element of um, early cognitive changes is, is, is not perhaps recognised as much as it, it could be. It's a time where they just want and need so much affirmation. I think it's up to us to try then to alter how we relate just so that we don't isolate and alienate um, the elder and, and just very much affirm them in who they are and affirm them in what they're becoming even. So often we think that we can affirm them in who they were but I think affirming them and who they're becoming is equally as important. Some changes are a natural part of growing older. Others are progressive, rapid and traumatic. The point that we know is that as people get older, they do lose brain cells. It's of the order of about 0.5%. A person who is getting the very early onset of Alzheimer's disease, what we call mild cognitive dementia, where they've got a few memory problems, they're losing not 0.5% of their brain, they're losing 1%. I believe I'm only in the, the baby stage, you know, like, it's, um, I was talking to a couple, a couple of friends one day and we were chattering away then, all of a sudden, boom. And I said, oh, you'll have to excuse me, I've been given the gift of of Alzheimer's, you know. <laughs> so that, uh, you know, sort of took them way back. But that, that's, the, that's the difficult bit. You're going fine and then you stop. And Gaynor is in her late 70s. She's lived most of her life in Nelson. But as her Alzheimer's disease has progressed over the last 18 months, she's moved to Auckland to be closer to her daughter. I knew I had to get something done because uh, I wasn't well and I'd been told that I was had Alzheimer's and I knew that, that. and also I've, I've got a partner, well we're partner friends, we've known each other for so long that we are just the same and he was looking after, and he still is, looking after me really really well but it was starting to take his toll on him. He was, as he said one night, I haven't got a life, you know, was having to just keep an eye on me and do the bits, but he did it all beautifully and and and, and that. So I thought it was um, it wasn't all about me. It was up to me to sort of pull my weight. 
So that's and 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 also Karen being up here because she used to come down to Nelson quite a lot and and that's a lot of travelling and a lot of money and she's on her own. She hasn't uh, uh, got married or anything. So that just sort of sort of knitted in that was um, um, coming up here. The here we're talking about is a care home in Auckland. It's Gaynor's first few days. She and her dashhund Bibi have just arrived. She's still unpacking when we sit down. I thought you have to have some, you know, good things, I would say. and, and So um, I bought just, just a, you know, a selection of different clothes that... Um, uh, I think will just be every day, or some that will be tidy, you know, neat and tidy. So, but uh, I think I, I, in the last moments, I was sort of going around like you know with two heads, and, I, and I've, I've put a, a whole lot of stuff in, but I haven't put like the cardigan that goes with it, or I haven't put in the, a, a blouse that you know those because I'm a I'm a matchaholic. <laughs> Leaving her own home and her city and adjusting to communal life hundreds of miles away is the latest in a series of upheavals for Gaynor since her Alzheimer's diagnosis. It, it's, it's running around in the back of your mind all the time, you know, that, that things are different. And sometimes it feels physical, you know. It, it, um, uh, I get tired a bit, but, and, of course... Uh, Forget things, you know. And I, I can't. I used to. Dressmaking was my uh, hobby, and, and I always, um, I couldn't couldn't do that anymore because it was sitting there and um, concentrating too much. I think yeah, but uh, yeah, um, I think it. Um, it's uh, a daunting thing um, and um, very, uh, I'm not perky any, anymore, you know, like, you know, um, yeah, I think that would probably be the, um, and then uh, I told my niece that I was, had, um, just been given the word that I had Alzheimer's and Doreen said, oh, well, that's all right then. She said, you'll soon forget about it. You won't know about it, you know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but she's right. <laughs> Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia. Dementia is a general term for a variety of symptoms, including changes in memory, thinking, behaviour and emotions. Alzheimer's disease isn't a normal part of ageing, but getting older is the greatest known risk factor for developing it. A person who has actually got dementia and is progressing, they are losing 5% of their brain a year up till the time of death. Now, I'll show you. If you'd like to hold that, okay. I'll show you here. This is a person who died at the age of 65. And this person had Alzheimer's disease. Now, you can see the folds here are much slimmer down. So that would weigh 1,500 grams. This brain here would have weighed probably about 900 grams. Um, lost over one-third of the brain cells. That's 30 billion brain cells, right? 
So that's not the old brain cell here and there. It's an, it's an avalanche of cell mm-hmm. By the time they go to their doctor, they would have been losing brain cells for some time. And I have told Karen, um, my daughter, that when I get to the stage where that I'm completely non-compassmentist and and I say this respect for everybody, but you know I, I, I do believe a lot of people go a bit crazy and do I said she's not to come and see me when I'm like that. She's to remember me as we were. Because my mother had Alzheimer's and she was a dog lover too. And we took, she was at the, the, down in Dunedin uh, hospital and we took the dogs in to see her one day and she, and she just swept, swept one off the chair and said, what is that horrible thing? And then I realised what what sort of an effect it had, you know, how just how different it made people. As our population gets older, the number of people affected by neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's is only going to increase. So, you know, the, what's the old saying? Some, day, some days are diamonds, some days are stones. But you know, I'd rather not have this Alzheimer's business. But <laughs> there's lots of people. It seems to be getting a almost a plague, isn't it? A lot of people getting it. You see, we've got 53,000 people in New Zealand today with Alzheimer's and dementia. And 2050 is going to be 150,000. Now, if we pushed it out, and if we could slow the onset by five years, we've done the figures, we would slow the... Pre- we, we would therefore um, halve the, the prevalence, the number of people with the disease. Why? Because they'll be living longer, more switched on, and die of another disease. And we've been given this money, it's $30 million, over a period of six years. And we're going to do a lot of scientific research, but we're also going to do research in these clinics, the clinic in Auckland, and then later in the year we're going to develop a clinic in Christchurch and Dunedin, where we will take, we'll be taking people in the earliest stages of Alzheimer's disease. When they first show the symptoms, and enrolling them, assessing them, getting a population. It's going to take several years to get a population of, a, of we'd like to get several hundred people in this. And then we'll be trying different types of therapy, be it be drug therapy and or different types of other therapies, like making sure their blood pressure is treated, making sure their hypertension is treated, making sure their diabetes is treated, all the things that predispose them towards that, because if you treat these diseases, it will slow down the onset. Both the government and the scientists who founded these clinics are optimistic that through a mix of cutting-edge research, community involvement and medical creativity, they'll have success in slowing down the onset of Alzheimer's in thousands of Kiwis. Professor Fall's message, though, is that there are simple things all of us can do to keep our brains in good nick. Well, I've shown that knitting... Knitting? Knitting, dancing, um, decreases the onset and the rate of, of actual progression of dementia. Um, and any physical activity which is actually driven from your brain, which requires thought, poi, dancing probably, poi dancing, poi is probably... The old crossword, if yeah. you do the crossword. Anything which is actually makes you more intellectually active, reading, becoming involved, what's really important is socialisation. So people who are left by themselves... 
um, more likely to get dementia than people who actually are in an active environment where are fully supported. So that's why being surrounded by your family, your loved ones, is actually critical. Just to keep interaction, personal interaction. They say something, you say something, you have engagement. The engagement is positive. It can be, you know, doesn't that just they all have to be happy? Um, but it means that you're actually in an environment which, which challenges, you know, your eyes light up and... And also how you feel about yourself and about your brain. For me, Auntie Daphne's been quite inspirational in the last year and a, a great sort of um, catalyst to my re-examining some of my assumptions about um, extreme old age, I guess. As I've worked with old people for a long time, I think I'd taken on a sense that um, growth and change uh, are rare in older people. But I've had to re-examine that really and, and sort of change my expectations and say, no, you know, while there's human life, there can be human growth and human uh, change. Can you show me? How would I play it? Put that on there. Okay. No. Where's the stuff? Put it on your thumb. Like your thumb. Yeah, then. Right. Yeah, let's see. Let's so see there. See, see, see there. Where's C? You have to just try. <laughs> <laughs> right, what do I do now? See? Oh, this is terrible, Daffy. <laughs> no, you, you show me. Will you show me first and then I'll do it? How we can be heroes Just for one day I That's a finish. How we can be heroes Just for one day How we can be us Just for one day Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 